Major support for Out to Lunch Acadiana is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including Lafayette and Lake Charles, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum at b1bank.com. Support also comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette. From Social on Johnson Street in Lafayette, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Professor of Finance and Director of the award-winning Birken Road Reports. It's business Acadiana style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch Acadiana, and you are in for a treat. This is a special version of the show that we have always wanted to try. As you know, we come out to Social, and uh, we love the food here, and this is where we put the show together. But this time, we decided to come without any established guests. And we've just found people, business folks, in the restaurant. This is a method we've always wanted to try. So to my left uh, today, I've got Kyle Waters, right? And uh, Kyle, what do you do? I'm the uh, chef de cuisine here at Social. I uh, run the kitchen on a day-to-day basis, take care of all the ordering, specials. So this is the great, you're the the great reason for all this. Part of it, yep. And then also in the restaurant, we found a guy who, Actually, we've seen him here before and wanted to meet him as uh, Robbie Bush. Robbie, welcome. Well, thank you very much. Glad to be glad to see you here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, if we're if you're not eating here, and I know you eat here a lot, um, uh, what do you do in real life? Well, this is my real life. The rest <laughs> the rest is a bad dream. No, no, no. S- seriously, I've, I am the owner of Uniglobe Associated Travel here in Lafayette. We're a we're a $15 million uh, travel management company. I've been in the travel business since 1985, and that's what I do day to day, five days a week. That's my day gig, so I can enjoy other things, music, uh, eating food, <laughs> eating great food, especially yeah. Kyle's food. And our third guest is uh, Jordan Thibodeau. Jordan, this is very lucky to get you here. This is really working out. Uh, I think I know what you do. You are like the Boudin King, right? Oh, I don't know about all that. We do make a lot of boudin, though, yeah. And that's uh, Como's? Como's. Como's Incorporated. We are, we are a wholesale manufacturer. We're a USDA facility out of Brewbridge. Uh, we started off as it's a little family business, a little store in right there by the old USL. Yep. Developed that into a few stores around Lafayette and then moved into wholesale manufacturing. That's been about probably 16 years now. Well, now that you're here, I've always wanted to ask a boudin guy because you know we—if there's one thing we talk about when we, we're here, it's it's usually <laughs> usually boudin. Why is there that expression that you know you don't want to see legislation or sausages being made? Uh, is there is there something horrific in the process? You know, uh, in in sausage making? Yeah. No, honestly, not at all. Um, I mean, you you wouldn't really want to spill a lot of time in a kill house in a slaughterhouse. <laughs> Well, that would be the legislation, you know? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's what's got the bad name. I think you're, exactly. I think you're right. The, uh, uh, but no, sausage, sausage is a, it's actually a real clean, real nice process, to be wow. honest with you. And uh, I make my own sausages here sometimes, yeah. and for me, it's very, it's very uh, like meditation almost, just to be able mm-hmm. to sit there and mix it, taste it, mix it again, and then pump it, and just there's certain something very calming to it. I think. Now, very do you nice. do you make it back 
in oh, the yeah, kitchen. We'll make, it, we'll make it here and there. We'll make our own boudin or uh, different smoked sausages and stuff. Not all the time, just to run as special. So. You know, when we first started with KRVS, we had a meeting with them to talk about this show. And uh, the producer asked me, he asked me, where do you think the best boudin is in town? And I said, well, this will be funny. What I'll do is I'll just throw it out on the conference table. And it was like I had thrown a hand grenade out on the <laughs> table. Everybody <laughs> has their own opinion. It's a dangerous question to ask. Yeah, <laughs> very, <laughs> very, very <laughs> much so. Very I stayed away from politics and religion. <laughs> I knew that. And yeah. boudin. That's yeah. That's boudin. That's all. Well, yeah. no, Picking the best boudin. Let, <laughs> let the judges do that. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, Kyle, you've, how long have you been uh, cooking here? Here, I'm uh, probably about seven months now. Okay, this is a relatively uh, new place. Uh, Where were you before all this? Uh, before this, I was at Rafino's, and before that, I was uh, at Cochon here. I had moved up to open the Cochon here from New Orleans. Yeah, oh, yeah. So I've been in Lafayette That's about a, four Is that and a Donald Link restaurant? It is. That, that is, uh, speaking of sausage, Link, mm-hmm. he's got, the guy's got a great name for that job. Yeah, there's, it does, uh, huh? there's, uh, they, uh, like, made off, made off with the money, you know, some kind, <laughs> same kind of things like that. The, uh, when, um, now, well, how do you view yourself? Because when I meet chefs, sometimes they sort of, they're very aligned to the restaurant they're working at. But in a way, you're sort of independent contractors, right, in some way? Because you you've got a set of skills and some value. And we do, but we try to tailor it to whatever restaurant we're in. I mean, generally, it's a very transient business for chefs. I mean, we'll go and work here for a few years, here for a few years. But I found the older I get, the more I try to stay in a place. Whenever I was a young cook, I'd work six months in a job and then leave, you know? And... At that point, I just try to learn, learn, learn. But it's making a transition to becoming a chef. You find a home or a restaurant that you feel like you're at home at, and you try to stay there. Koshan and the Link Group was one of those for me. I stayed with them for nine years, which is a really oh, long yeah. time. And then Rafino's was a great job. It just wasn't quite my style of food. I enjoyed everybody I worked with. But they had a position to open up here, and this is the style of food that I like to cook. I like to be around this kind of environment. So What's hopefully I see myself staying here for years as well. So. Well, that's great, Kyle. You know, one of the things is, I'd say 10 years ago, nobody thought much about what went on in the kitchen. And now, you, like, TV is loaded with food porn, you know. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you, you, everybody talking about the food and all the experiences back there. Is it, is it mayhem in a kitchen? Sometimes. But hopefully it's controlled mayhem. I mean, you, you, <laughs> you really do want to have control, but a lot of times it's, uh, it's just a lot of different things going on at one time. And you just have to watch it and open your eyes to see everything that's happening. A lot of screaming? Happening. No, not, okay. not unless things are going wrong. Hopefully, okay, so. all right. Because I guess we'd hear it out here if oh, it really, definitely. Got, really got that way. They, yeah, going from a, a closed kitchen to open kitchen like this, it, it takes a little <laughs> bit of time to adjust to uh, watch the F-bombs and all other, uh, all other expletives <laughs> that will come out in the heat so, of the moment. So. The swear jar is the most lucrative part of the uh, <laughs> <laughs> I need to start one, but I'd probably be the biggest donator. So. <laughs> now, Rami, i got to ask you, you know, when we think of the travel business, a lot of us immediately think about the changes that have come about because of the internet sure. uh, people doing things on their own what where, where do you find a niche now knowing that a lot of a lot of people are just going to be doing it on their own why come to you well that's a great question uh and it's really because of the internet the beauty of the internet is uh we don't see it as a competitor you know i played drums years ago years ago when the advent of the drum machines came out every drummer said oh my god it's the end of studio drumming right. but in reality what uh, engineers discovered was that drummers could program a uh, drum machine better than a piano player or guitar player. So, by the same token, uh, by the same uh, example, uh, a, an experienced travel consultant can plan a better trip given the same information that somebody gets um, over the internet. So, one of the beauties of the internet is by embracing it rather than seeing it as competition. 
we realized we could put ourselves in a position to assist people. So you've done that. We can, well, let's do this with that. Or let me compare this to that. So we, we, we consult more than being agents. You know, the word agents, right. which come from the, the uh, railroad days, for all the most part are, is gone. We, we re I mean, people call you travel agents, but we really don't say we're travel agents, we're travel consultants, because anybody can do this on their own, but we think we can do it better. We have more resources, and it's, it's really been, uh, believe it or not, it's been more fun since deregulation, which, when all of this started, and then since uh, the Internet became heavily available in the 90s, uh, we, we've had to adjust all these ways. And Jordan, uh, your, your, your product's made here and you've got these mm -hmm. retailers, but, um, but you, sh what is it, you ship to other states? Oh yeah, we ship everywhere. Other states, we've shipped, shipped everywhere. We had a good customer out of China for a long time, believe it or not, that bought with us regularly for years and years. With um, a, was it like but yeah, we've a guy got named Boudreaux that moved to China? Or no, was it oh no, <laughs> oh no, he was, he was from China. But, uh, no, we've got we've got customers in every corner. We've got distributors in Atlanta. I've got a distributor up in D.C., Virginia. I've got one in Colorado. We've got one in Texas. Now you say with distributor, the they go into stores. No, distributor. Actually, a lot of restaurant supply. Restaurant a, a supply. Lot, yeah. A lot of our a lot of a lot of our businesses businesses like this. Yep. Businesses that that prefer a more quality product, a traditional product, real food. Uh, and, and I say real food. I think that the two biggest things that have helped us in business. Um, and the two biggest things that, I don't know, always come to mind for me. One, we've got old recipes. It's just the way, you know, I mean, it was old family recipes that that's how it was made. And we never commercialized. We didn't take and adjust for profit margins. Right. We said, this is the way it was made. This is the way we're going to keep making it. And we just stuck with it. And really that was beneficial, especially these days for these these huge demographics of people that are coming through saying, we want no MSG, we want oh, sure. no GMO, we want no, all these different additives, we, you know, they don't want the nitrites, they don't want the, and it worked out for us because we didn't have to switch to a clean product, it just wasn't there. And it's, yeah. it's not that we took it out, it's just, well, nobody used that in the 30s. What's so, you know, it just, right. that's, and number two is consistency. If you make it the same all the time, People can appreciate that. I, I, you know? I can't. Remember. How much? <laughs> how much boudin do you make in a year? Oh, a lot. <laughs> I, honestly, <laughs> I don't. I don't know that I could give you a number right now. I how much did you make last week? Two. I don't know. A lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> a lot times twelve is a whole. A lot. <laughs> yeah. We uh, we normally devote whole days to to a product, you know. And what we've done uh, in the facility are our processing we've upgraded a lot we've invested a lot in equipment and that's where now the process uh, in Bridge. okay yep we're right there in Bridge, uh right off the interstate um but we've we've done a lot in the process to where we can do real good size batches you know i mean we've got smokers i can put a few thousand pounds in the smokers at a time wow. you know wow and it's all automated all touch screen everything's as modern. a kid I can did you know you're going bulbs, in the wet bulbs everything yeah. i mean it's it's really nice so we'll devote a whole day to a product you know like Today's on Dewey, and we're going to push out thousands of pounds on Dewey, you know, and, <laughs> and so on and so forth. I mean, it's really just demand on what the inventory, you know, what, what the backstock. Let me ask you, though. Growing up, did you know you were going into the family business? Oh, definitely not. No, it wasn't even my family. <laughs> no. I'm, uh, I mean, honest to God, I mean, I'm, 
I went to Como. I had uh, my best friend Matt. It's it's actually the plant. If you if you go in the the office now, you'll find you'll find me, my wife, my brother-in-law, and my mother-in-law. That's that's the regulars. Me, my wife, and my brother-in-law is the main you know that you're gonna see all day. Uh, but my brother-in-law and I were actually just good friends through high school. He wasn't my brother-in-law at the time. That's Matt Como. And it was his grandparents that started everything. We were good buddies, and he started a deer, deer business, deer processing in the evening. So I'd go help him in high school. We'd stay till 1, 2 o'clock in the morning cutting deer, <laughs> get up and go to school, you know. <laughs> but, uh, no, I ended up just started working. Uh, when I finished school, started working over there. And, uh, and then over time, kind of moved up in the plant. Then I bought out the Harold's Dressing Mix, the rice dressing company. Okay. Hmm. I bought them out when I was... 20, right when I turned 20. Because he's an entrepreneur. And, yeah, that's, uh, what he, that's what he is. And then ended up, Ray, who was the owner of Como's, we, uh, I introduced him to my mother-in-law, and they hit it off, and they got married. So, <laughs> Oh, wow. So then nice. my buddy, my, you know, my schoolhood friend became my brother-in-law, and so I don't know, I guess. You're a matchmaker, boudin maker. <laughs> this is a musician. Yeah, you but know, it worked out great. You know, Robin, let me ask you, like, but in terms of airline tickets, I mean, can you get somebody a better deal than kayak? Or I mean, how, how does it all work? Is it all well? It, you know, airline. You'll appreciate this. Airline tickets are like stocks. The, there is no solid moment that a price is going to be guaranteed for more than that moment, in, unless you buy it. If I buy that stock at forty-two bucks a yep, share, next minute, whatever. Maybe it's lower. Maybe it's yep. higher. Um, and I'm going to lose money if I if I trade it. If I look at that airline ticket today, at this minute, I mean, I have seen airline tickets change in 30 minutes. So what we do is we're looking at a combination of sites that include everything. And occasionally, if we find somebody said, well, I saw this on Kayak or yep. I saw this on Expedia, we'll pull it up, we'll look at it, and we'll see... Uh, maybe a different routing that we didn't quite see. So we use every bit of information that any client uh, could use, and we use a lot more information than they do. It's funny you mentioned stocks, because be, when you uh, trade stocks, you have a screen on it uh, as a customer, but they have many more levels uh, on the same screen thing, than you do. Same yeah. thing. So it's the depth of level. So what do we offer a customer? You know, when a customer calls us, supposedly uh, supposed to pick it on, on a screen is we'll explain the routing, the type of aircraft, right. the length of connection, whether that is a good idea or a bad idea, because often these websites, they show point A to point B or C, right. especially from Lafayette where you're making connections, and you know maybe you've got a 30-minute connection and you're flying a small plane and it's a giant airport and the typical connection takes, it's a legal connection, right. but it may not be a good connection, especially in this day and age of, of uh, Flights being late. Well, I only fly f for the good food. That's really what I uh, what well. I go for. They, let me ask. We talked about to Jordan what, how he got started. Um, when you guys were in school, what, what did you think you were going to be? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to be a rock star. Really? <laughs> well, that was a that was a that was the first plan, you know, to, to get well. It's good, rich and famous, and, and girls, go on the I road. Think is the whole reason, yes. Well, yeah, you know, when I when I write. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Kyle? <laughs> um. I started off in architecture and engineering, actually. And, and where was that? Is that? That was at uh, LSU. Wow. And I decided uh, I like to work a lot more than I like going to school, so I'd uh, 
I just found myself working more and more and not going to class less and less, and then I just decided to the hell of college, and I'll just go yeah. to culinary school and start it over again. Oh, that, that is great. <laughs> that was the part of the, time, part of the show where we do the checklist, and this is where we take a break and ask you each a quick question that you probably wouldn't find on a, on a loan application. So these are more, more uh, personal, less business-like. And uh, Kyle, I'm going to start with you. Have you ever considered quitting and doing something completely different? I have. On, uh, every once in a while, I'll just get really stuck in a rut and really want to think about what else I could do. And every time I come up with a different idea, it's just... Are they wild? It, it anyone, doesn't want to happen. You I, share? I, would, I, I don't know. Every time I think of something, I just I keep saying I wouldn't be as happy. I don't want to be stuck behind a desk. I, want to, I know I've tried quitting cooking once or twice, and it would last for a couple of months, and then I'd just be right back in another kitchen. There's just <laughs> something about it that... You know, I have a passion for, and it's just what I'm best destined to do. So I think that probably means you're doing the right thing. I think so. There's a, Jordan, um, you've got a pretty big business over there, and let me just ask you, who do you turn to for advice? Oof. I guess it depends on what it is. Um, I mean, we always fall back on Ree. Anytime it falls into food stuff, I mean, Ree is Ree Kumo. And, uh, he's got the name on the bag and yeah. everything, yeah. Yeah, he's <laughs> probably a good person to ask. But no, uh, the good thing about Ray, no matter how complex a question you ask the man, I don't care what it is, he's going to give you the simplest answer that's going to seem, I mean, just it really kind of seems like he didn't answer you. It's, I mean, he'll make it so basic, but... At the end of the day, it's normally pretty accurate, so it's kind of hysterical. But uh, most people do the opposite. You ask them a simple question, they give you a complicated answer. Correct. So this is uh, correct. This is very much the right direction. And uh, uh, Robbie, uh, let me ask you: you'd be the third one in here. What's the worst decision you've ever made? Oh man, this week or last <laughs> week? <laughs> I don't know that there's really anything, anything such as a worst decision because if you if you look you at things, the, the path not taken, or well, that's exactly right. I, I, I mean, if you look at the the big picture, if it's a decision that's not working out, then it usually opens up to another door. And then you, you know, if you have the ability to go above the uh, the the decision, flying at thirty thousand feet, which I love to do. Right. So, if you do that on occasion, you can say, all right. I really do need to be going this direction, even though it sounds like a terrible decision and I'd like to do something different. <laughs> Let me ask each of you, what would it, uh, what's your pet peeve about Lafayette? I mean, everybody, people love this place, but if you could make a change, what would it be? Uh, Kyle, do you? Probably traffic. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm experiencing. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm coming from New Orleans, and they have bad traffic, too, but I could still get anywhere in just about as much time as it takes me to get across Lafayette during traffic hours. Wait, is, so it, just, is it, you guys must know, is it designed poorly? Rouge, or? I really hate traffic. So. So my dad used to say Lafayette was a paved, bunch of paved cow paths, <laughs> and that's how they created Lafayette. Traffic, I mean, Lafayette roads originally. So the, the city grew, the, but nobody really no planning. The, uh, no planning. Uh, wow, the... Uh, is that what bugs you in town, too? You get something else? Well, you know, that, that's a result to me of not wanting to admit that if you have a, a vision of a better community, then you have, to, you have to pay for that vision. You have to create the vision rather than getting caught up in budgetary situations that really are on the short end. Uh, the mayor of Charleston 
recreated what was arguably one of the worst cities in the United States into one of the best cities in the United States because he had a vision, he saw what needed, and that means getting people to see the vision and put up the money yeah, because there's nothing that's going to be given to us by anybody. We're gonna to have to pay the way. And I guess, the, I guess the, the word on the streets, that would be taxes and nobody yes, wants to that talk would, about that. that. that <laughs> but you gotta pay, if you, wanna, if you want a better restaurant, you gotta pay for the quality of the food and the service. You gotta have chefs as talented as Kyle and Mark and the, some of the chefs right. here. If you want a great town, you have to pay for it to be a great town. Planners and the... Planners. You need planning. You need budgets. Yeah. So that aggravates me a, a lot about Lafayette. Not, you know, people gripe, well, we're paid too much taxes. Well, do you want a road or not? <laughs> <laughs> now, Jordan, what about yourself? What, what, what irks you? Lafayette? I'd go back in town. Okay. I'd bring it back to the cow paths. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least guess, we know what we have. <laughs> oh, for sure. No. Uh, Is it a different Lafayette's town than when, a, you, when you grew up? Oh, Lafayette's 100% different than when I was a kid. I'd tell you that without a doubt. In, in what and a ways? big part of that, a big part is probably a lot of the old people dying off, you know. But, I mean, you know, we, we were talking earlier about, you know, people always intrigued by the fact that, you know, this station puts on so much, you know, French broadcasting and everything else. But I can remember, I'm sure you remember, I'm oh, sure yeah. you remember when you'd watch Passepartout when I was a kid. <laughs> you know, you'd watch Jim Olivier, you'd watch anybody on TV. I mean, 80% of the show was in French, right. you know. And it was, to me, a lot of people knew who they were. A lot of people were, a lot of people were proud of who they were. A lot of people were proud of what they had. They didn't feel like they had to chase and be what the rest of America was. Right. They were proud of this is what we are, this is what we have. We might be a little less, we might be a little more. It depends on, you know, the category, but we were very content well, what do you with think who we it, were as people. When you mention that, we, one of the famous discussions you have here in Lafayette is, is back, what is it, a couple of generations ago where everybody was trying to get people to not speak French. I mean, do you think oh, that yeah. was part of what we're talking about here? Oh, that was, I mean, by far. I mean, it's, it's, it's like anywhere. So, I mean, Canada's fought everybody. It's the Angli Anglicization of a, of a culture, you know, of a society. It's, it's becoming engulfed by America, you know, the yep. Americans, as everybody used to call <laughs> them. But the, uh, and we still, when I was a kid in, in Lafayette, friends of mine that spoke French came from uh, French families, got sent home. Oh, yeah. In school for speaking French. It's been a horrible situation. The Codafil uh, back in, I guess, the late 60s, early 70s started turning around. Mm -hmm. And we're finally starting to understand that if you're going to really become global, you need to honor these languages. You need to teach them in every class, in every grade. And mm -hmm. it doesn't need to just be French. That's but right. But my goodness, if we just had French That's right. all the way up. If you, you Have you ever been to St. Anne's in, mm -hmm. in uh, Nova Scotia? Not to St. Anne's. My, I've been my, to Nova Scotia, yeah. My daughter uh, was in uh, immersion French mm -hmm. here in Lafayette and then for a couple summers went to St. Anne's in uh Church Point, Nova Scotia, mm -hmm. uh, uh, west of west of Halifax. The other Church Point. The yeah. other <laughs> Church Point. And you know, there are a lot of uh, families from Church Point that have relatives oh. up in that Church Point. But yep. she had six weeks of immersion French, and I mean, no English for six Three weeks. Times you signed they send a contract, you home. Yep. and they if you speak English, they send you home. So but that's they're actually looking at doing one in Arneville. 
Yeah, and you know he's doing one in Homa too. Uh, the, uh, uh, Jean Paul Como, I think, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, and, and you know, what, what, just one other thing I was yeah. going to mention is if you travel and you're the travel guy, yeah. you go around the rest of the country, and while we feel like we're being homogenized. South Louisiana is held on better than every oh, other place. It I mean, it's uh, without a doubt. <laughs> without there are a doubt. lot of people who starting to claim Cajun culture whose name is Smith because they've been here long <laughs> enough to feel like, okay, what's well, close enough? Man. Heck, you can't blame them, though. There's, uh, I can't blame Robbie, Kyle, Jordan, thanks for uh, joining me today and Out to Lunch. Thank that, you. Oh, I'll tell thank you, this you for having great. No, I think this might be the way we do the show. No, Just, yeah. uh, this is the way. No, you never know, like a box of chocolates, man. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie Bush from uh, Uniglobe Travel, uh, Chef Kyle from uh, right here from Social, and uh, Jordan Thibodeau from Como's, the, uh, the the Boudin people. Thanks so much. Today's show is recorded live over lunch at Social Southern Table and Bar in Lafayette. Social is open six days a week for lunch and dinner with brunch on Sundays. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Uh, Dominic Lloyd provided the background research for the show. Our theme song, Encore Monsieur Nice Guy, is written by Mitch Foreman and performed by Mitch Foreman and Andre Michaud. Our Acadiana business consultants are Pete Prados from Innovate Acadiana, Zach Barker from The Opportunity Machine, and Dr. Blake Escadé. If you want to find out what we look like, that, and they really, they should, uh, <laughs> they'll find photos from this show on our website and Facebook page. These photos were taken today by Gwen Oakwin. You can get the show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites. It's acadiana.com and krbs.org. Support for Out to Lunch comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette, located off Pinhook near Calise Saloon. Wyndham Garden Lafayette has 290 sleeping rooms and 14,000 square feet of meeting space to accommodate groups from 10 to 500 for meetings, conferences, weddings, and high school reunions. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRBS 88.7 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again around the table for lunch. For more business, Acadiana style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch Acadiana is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S. Providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com And by Business First Bank with locations throughout the state, including Lafayette and Lake Charles, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum at B1Bank.com. Support also comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette.